0: This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Live Your Screen Scene podcasts. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger. And today, I am so excited to welcome Leah Gibson. Not Leah. We just confirmed it, although she'll accept it. But Leah, Leah Gibson to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. This is the first time that Leah and I are meeting. But I feel like I know her already because I know her work. She's turned in scene-stealing and fearless performances in some of my favorite series, including Jessica Jones, where she played Inez Green, AKA mean as mean and Batwoman, where she portrayed Tatiana, the Whisper, an assassin and the second in command of the many arms of death. More recently, she fucking lit up the screen. And yes, Leah, please feel free to swear on this podcast. In Joe Pickett. Paramount Plus's astounding neo-Western crime drama based on characters created by novelist C.J. Box. Leah is Jeannie Keeley, a wife and a mom and a mom-to-be who is all passion, all fire, and according to another character, a real live one. Her other credits include Candy on Arctic Air, Ruby in the groundbreaking web series The True Heroines, Lucy in Return, Tamara in Manifest, and honestly a long list of other ones. I'll pop a link to Leah's filmography in the footnotes for this episode. All this is to say that what I know of Leah's work is exciting and fearless. There's that word again. And so I was delighted when I heard from friend of the podcast, Brian Markinson, that he would be directing Leah Gibson, Leah fucking Gibson, in an upcoming production of David Ives' Venus and Fur. Venus and Fur tells the story of Thomas, a beleaguered playwright and director who is desperate to find an actress to play Vonda, the female lead in his adaptation of the classic sadomasochistic tale Venus and Fur. Into his empty audition room walks a vulgar and equally desperate actress, oddly enough, named Vonda. Though utterly wrong for the sophisticated part, Vonda exhibits a strange command of the material piquing Thomas's interest with her seductive talents and secretive manner. What follows is an increasingly serious game of submission and domination that only one of them can win. Venus and Fur is a mysterious, funny, and erotic drama. And I cannot wait to see what Brian, Leah, and Leah's fellow thespian, Andrew Jenkins, do with this material. So today, let's get to know Leah Gibson, the woman who has brought Jeannie, and Mines, and Tatiana, and soon, Vonda, to life. Leah Gibson, welcome to the Why Screen Scene podcast. Oh my goodness, what
1: an introduction. Whew. Oh, that's I, what they all say. I know it is, because i listened to, I listened to some of the episodes. But really, like, how, how do I live up to it? I, I mean, the way you talk about it, it's like, before, while I was on my way here, I thought, I don't know if I'm going to be very interesting to talk to. <sighs> Sorry. I, have I that's done hilarious. anything worth talking about? But then you just kind of rattle off some things, and I, and I think, oh, who's that? That sounds all right. <laughs> well, how would you describe yourself? I don't know. You just... Um, you you just forget the things that come before what you're up to right now, you know? Yeah. And and uh, it's been such an interesting last couple of years for us in the industry and out mm. of the industry and beside the industry. And uh, you, just, um, you just kind of forget the things, the way they were, you know? Mm-hmm. Things are a little differently now. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, how would you describe this particular moment in the career journey of Leah Gibson. Do you have a middle name? I, I just gave you the middle name fucking Leah fucking Gibson. <laughs> but like, what is your actual middle name?
1: <laughs> My middle name is Diane. Leah Diane, Diane, Gibson. Diane, Diane Gibson. Yeah, how I, about- I like
0: Diane, yeah. I like fucking too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there have only there. been a few fuckings on this podcast, right? Oh, really? There's like Chayla fucking horstall. Yes. Um well Brian fucking Markinson. Yes. Um Amanda fucking tapping and yes. uh, Leah Fucking Gibson. Oh, <laughs> I feel a little fire. I feel a little fire.
1: Yes. Um how would I describe this moment of my career? Oh my gosh. Um it's very focused. It's very focused. It's um it's it's also very expanded in a sense i mean i'm returning to the stage in a Mm. in a self-produced um play (laughs) which is a first for me so it's really brave thank you thank you for saying that you you know you forget that being brave is like a thing i don't think anyone really feels brave when they're doing anything Mm. um that's not really something that you can experience oh this is what. Being brave feels like it feels more like kind of being a little bit fearful, mm. <laughs> but continuing on. And so it's good to have other
0: people. It's like other people need to point out, hey, that's really brave. And you're like,
1: yeah, fuck it is. <laughs> I guess so. But then it's even, you know, it's sometimes a little challenging to even receive and accept that that as a as a as an identity of being brave. But anyway, right now it feels um so much so much of the work that we do, especially the last couple of years, as I mentioned, I mean in and out, in and out of COVID and the COVID aftermath, it's, it's so much of the preparation, especially more now than ever, is very insular, it's very private. Mm. The audition process is now, you know, you in your own bedroom or living room or whatever, sometimes FaceTiming in a friend and faking the eyelines or what have you. I don't recommend that, but it's you know, it's it's somehow just what we're working with these days. The so. new normal. The new normal, yeah. and um, as evolution would just move things along, we adapt, right? And yeah. we we try to find a thread that works for us. So, um, so it's so it's so interesting for me to kind of consider this period of time right now, and and the people that I'm working with intimately in bringing this little production to the stage, and um, wow, it feels. Yes, it feels fearful. Uh, not only just like being on stage, the idea of being on stage, but um, but but I'm realizing, I'm really recognizing now, in being in full-time rehearsal mode for the production, how in some ways how starved I felt for that real um, in-person interaction and and mm. and bringing the intensity of the craft. Um, for several hours a day, when we're not at work, when we're not actually on set, right? Yeah. I mean, um, it's been really, it's been really fulfilling, and it's been really confrontational.
0: Oh, especially this play. Okay, I want to put a, pl- I want to put a pin. Yeah. In Vonda. I, yeah. Okay. Pin in Vanda. And in she might like. Uh Venus in Venus and Fur, and Brian Markinson, and all that for for a moment. Um, and I want to go back in time because I want to know how we got here. You know, like what kind of a kid were you? Like, pay me. up. So I have an eleven-year-old right now and i love and like 9, nine ten eleven they've been so interesting to see this like pa- very passionate very real human being being you know she's such a clear idea of who she is and what she wants and i think that a lot has to do with her age you know and the age that she, you know like she hasn't been like hurt by the world and by and by hormones and you know and, and pressure of like what do you want to be when you grow up you know she just she just knows who she is? What's that you know? like? She well, wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> I think any any you know ten or eleven year old could tell us that. So to, who what were you? Who were you when you were ten or eleven years old?
1: I was very shy. Yeah, I was like so shy I could barely look people in the eyes, and um, I'm a twin sister. So she's my only oh. sibling, my twin sister, and and my sister. Um, my sister was like this and, and still is but especially when we were younger she was like a prodigy especially to me but she was just this genius she was ahead of her time intellectually she was this like artistic genius like the like creatively she would just create these beautiful works of art that were above and beyond her hmm. her time and And athletically, she was incredible. And I was very regular. (laughs) I have to say we are fraternal. But still, it was always, I just felt so shy. I felt so, in many ways, insecure and small. Hmm. Um, uh, Yeah, I just didn't know who I was supposed to be. I felt like I just wanted to be as great as she was, you know. And I didn't really know how to... Feel expansive and and bold and excited about being my own person. I didn't really know what that meant for like a while. Yeah, and what I did learn, and I did, it took me years to to recognize this, but what I did learn was was how to mimic other people's isms. Like it was like I wanted to feel like I could fit in, and so I started sort of recognizing a mimicry of what other people would like or what other how other people. Would, it sounds very strange, and I think that was my. <laughs> This is so strange. I've never heard other actors speak this way. But it when it wasn't until I was in my teens that I discovered musical theater because my sister and I both grew up dancing and so we were mm. performing and then I started to sing a little bit when I was in my teens and then, you know, I I, I stepped into musical theater a little bit and I just absolutely found my obsession and it Mm. wasn't until I was really like 17 that this happened for the first time but I found my obsession and it was in dissolving into character life Yeah, I just felt um, so in love with it so excited by it so that's kind of when I remember like being the most excited about being myself and it was kind of developing (laughs) character life and dissolving into someone else so I don't know what you're describing
0: as mimicry though like is are are you also talking about empathy? Well, cuz what you're the way that you were describing it you know, it like I I immediately came to mind, and this is totally nerdy shit from like my Star Trek stuff. But like, you know, the Deanna Troy, the the beta zoid, like her whole thing was about like under she was an empath and she was always understanding other people's. She could feel how other people are feeling and other people's perspectives. You know, like, yes. do you think that might have played a part part in definitely? I'm one hundred percent an empath,
1: which yeah. I don't think they really started developing a lot of sort of you know, easily accessible I mean, for lack of a better word, media or publications about until the last 10, 15 years, yeah. right? All of this new research about emotional intelligence, EQ, which they now deem as as relevant and as important as understanding one's own IQ. Yeah. EQ is 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 the ability to self-reflect and and read other people's emotions and mm. attune to that and communicate through that medium. And so none of this was really understood when I was a teenager. I mean, maybe it was still developing, but now sounds I- like you. Were- were also
0: ahead of your time you know i don't really know what that
1: means (laughs) at the time i just felt kind (laughs) of lost
0: i'm also a bit of a musical theater head as well um so what were some of those like first musicals you know that you just like you know lost your mind over
1: you know the first one that made me just like oh god it was i just i was i became obsessed with the whole idea of it was cabaret you know cabaret And and of yeah. course because I had years of dance experience and I wasn't the strongest singer in the world, of course what did I play? But but one of the Kit Kat dancers, you mm. know. So for year for so for like a several productions, I was a chorus girl, right? With the strong dancing background at that time. Yeah, but and, Cavalry too, so you it in cabaret too. You had all the fussy stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, it was just so moody. But you know, for those like first handful of productions that I was in as a chorus girl, I was like that chorus girl that you couldn't take your eyes off of because she was never out of character. Like, yeah. She was <laughs> <laughs> living it right, like it's so funny. But that, yeah, that which truly was my gateway into acting. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love
0: the the musical theater um, to screen acting pipeline that that happens. Also, happens. musical theater it's is great. a gateway drug too. It's it's a it's a. It's just funny to think about too, because you know there's nothing as like earnest and pure as musical theater, right? And so described as a gateway drug is kind of hilarious to me. So it truly I'm, is. I'm
1: amusing myself right now. No, you're <laughs> I'm a so singer. funny. I yeah. know. I've done my research. I know that you and Lobo start, start in Greece together. Yeah, that and was his.
0: Grow- that was his gateway drug. He was, was so happy girl. to be there. He was so happy oh, to be Lobo. there. What a nerd! He found himself in that. Oh, he just wanted more of that. Um, right. Okay, so so you find musical theater. You move through. You move through. You know the Kit Kat Club and uh, like what? Other, what else did you do? What else did I do? Um, let me see. You do any Lloyd Webber?
1: Um, I did. I did Joseph at yeah. one point. Outrageous costumes. Um, Chicago. Okay. I did do Chicago. Oh, great! I did, and and that was like a big deal for me because. I played Velma Kelly, so I was like up to.
0: Okay, I gotta up, describe
1: your body language right now
0: to the <laughs> listeners because you had like you've tur- you turned. She turned her body, she had her shoulder. She had her like face was like you know turned to the- like she- like you were doing some real fossy stuff uh, right there. I just I love how I you were embodying it. I think
1: I not fussy, <laughs> but turning.
0: Um, I I love that. But how do we end up in the in the film and TV realm then?
1: Yeah. So let's see. Let's call notes. So. After high school, I really, 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 really wanted to to go to performing arts school. Really? Yes. (laughs) Sorry, you just said really twelve thousand times. (laughs) No, I did. Like I was just like it was a major dilemma at that time and and but I also I have to say I had excellent grades. Yeah. I was a brainiac. Like I I I was. I took school very seriously. And so it was a hard decision for me to make, but I but I rolled into A BA degree uh, towards psychology at UVic for a few years and still just kept the side stuff of musical theater on the side. Um, Yeah. Still in my hometown of Victoria. And then in my third year, I went to an open call audition and was cast in this Canadian. Uh, professional production of a judy garland review a cast of nine that was supposed to be touring across canada a
0: judy garland yes. review
1: yes i wish i'd seen that well it actually died, Fuck. <laughs> it, died it, it, the, the, it lost it's funding, so it was so i'm sorry I, you just put me on a journey i'm like yay i mean Fuck. it's still out there somewhere <laughs> i don't think it's ever come it was it was supposed to be called get happy and <gasps> get happy yeah yeah oh my audition for it i remember what did i I just remember having to sing this Judy Garland song that and and it was uh Mr. Monotonous, I think. Do you know that song? haven't got any oh. monotony.
0: <laughs> Yes, I know. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. playing on his slide trombone yes. in a certain monotone. Uh-huh. He was known as Mister
1: Monotony. See, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> but You can do it, and I love it. I love that. That's, that's impressive. Because Thank that's you. That's a Judy Garland. That's an oldie. That's a deep cut. That's yeah. a deep. Yeah. No,
0: I, I told you. I'm a. Uh, that's. Ugh. I go way back, girl.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I'm so impressed.
0: I'm so impressed that you know
1: Mr. Monotony. That's so no <laughs> Well I'm actually <laughs> impressed with myself that I even remember the the name of it. But I remember like studying the YouTube video. Anyway. So I auditioned that, was cast in that production and then and then was so excited. It was supposed to be a really big deal, you know, Canadian traveling production across Canada, you know, there were all these big plans for it. And so I, I was still at UVic at the time and so I planned to withdraw for uh for the next semester of school and we we're going to start rehearsing full-time in january well a week before christmas the production lost its funding oh that's so painful it was very painful and and i kind of entered this what do i do now and so i so i didn't sign up for school again I, maybe it was too late i mean i'm sure i could have re-enrolled but instead i just set a goal with myself and i said i'm gonna to move to vancouver and give film acting a go Mm. having no idea what I was doing. So like none, like, you know, I think I knew a couple of people. And and keep in mind, this was in when was this? 2007 or 2006 or something. I was 21. So I moved over to Vancouver with two of my best friends. Literally had no idea what I was doing.
0: Yeah. Sometimes that's good to not know
1: what you're doing, right? I mean,
0: Mm. sure. Yeah, <laughs> just trying to put a happy spin on it, Leah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was—I just remember being terrified at the time. Yeah. You know, it was terrified, moving.
0: but like, give yourself some credit, though. Look what you did, right? Like, you still did it.
1: Are you saying it was brave? I'm saying it was so fucking did I brave. Just give I <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I—that's it, yeah. I mean, it, it. I felt I felt like it was a, it was fun because I was moving into into a house with two of my best friends who weren't in the industry, mm. and a year later. I was working. Wow. And you know, but it was like and then it was just, you know, year after year of just like fitting just like figuring out hard lessons and you yeah. know, training and in classes and do taking every piece of advice from anyone that said anything to me and yeah. and and, try, and just working so hard at training. Yeah. As best as I could. Um just working so hard and and paying for it all myself supporting myself my, my my whole way you know and making so many mistakes but just so earnest
0: yeah can you tell me about i love talking about mistakes because there's so many lessons oh. in there what were some of those mistakes from oh the god. from those first few years here oh my
1: god i mean some of them are so personal right and um, if I really reflect sort of broad strokes, it's just those, those things in your early 20s when you don't know how to speak up for yourself. Um, <sighs> early 20s are so hard. <laughs> they're painful. And, you know, you've got all this enthusiasm and you want to be taken seriously and you want to believe that your dreams and goals mean something and... Just all of the trials and tribulations that, you know, and when I really look back, like, I think the hardest, the hardest pieces of those mistakes for myself were for were not recognizing when when I how to how to care for myself, Hmm. like uh, on psychoemotional levels, like how to how to handle anxiety of really frightening scenarios at times and how to ask for help, how to ask for advice You know, and then feeling like that would reveal yourself to be fraudulent or Mm. insecure or not well equipped or what have you, you know. And so a lot of the times, some of my mistakes, I just look back and and just think, why did I feel like I couldn't admit that I had no idea what I was doing or that I was really frightened about what I was up to or, you know, things like that. But ultimately, I think, I mean, I look back in my 20s and just think now, hopefully, I know how to care for that Part of my artist in yeah. a more loving manner, and as a female, right? I, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. a whole other thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, when, what was the first role where you felt f- fulfilled oh. and like, okay, I'm, I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be
1: doing, and I'm where I am supposed to be? Oh, my God. Every single day on set feels like that. Even, like, honestly, from the get-go a year a year to the month after i moved to vancouver i was in the czech republic filming this sure very low budget horror film Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the woods of the czech republic but i was number one on the call sheet i was you know learning and, and delivering 13 pages of dialogue a day Whoa! you know we were running through the woods in outrageous conditions and you think i wasn't high as a kite like i was having the time of my life i as as far and i didn't know enough to 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 not think that the the film wouldn't you know be of the greatest success little did i know it would just be on vod you know Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. hard for friends and family to even find (laughs) but um the experience for me has always just been the hook the drug for me i mean Admittedly, admittedly, and this, this should, I should be probably a little bit sheepish to admit this, but I did not become an actor because I loved watching film and TV. Hmm. I became an actor because I had never found anything in my life I had loved doing so much. The experience of it was just the most exalting that I'd ever had in my life. Every element of it from, from delivering communication in in, in pure, intimate, Setting with another person in front of the eye of of millions, you know, or a million, you know, in front of the camera, or on stage in front of, in front of a body of warm people, you know, it's um, it's just, it's just been the highest level of, of personal experience I've ever had ever. So We've had very people selfish, on
0: very the podcast who talk about, um, it was Eklund, Michael Eklund talks about um, chasing yeah, magic. Mm. Yeah, that that like that's what drew him as a five-year-old being like that's magical I want to do that I want to figure out how to do that and that all the choices that he's made have kind of kept him you know um just in that that chase for magic uh and the way that you're describing it it feels like the same kind of things that you're talking about in terms of it being a drug but it's like it's about a feeling you know something that's um, it's it's of something of substance you know but um ethereal as mm-hmm. well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and to circle back to the idea of empathy, I mean I I didn't I didn't really learn what it was or understand that about myself. I am a I'm purely an empath, like so much so that and that's another thing about being in my early 20s, I didn't understand that about myself. I didn't yeah. understand that I would develop physical sensations by being in in the environment of other people mm. and really have a great deal of of psychosensory information in my in my body that i was picking up and and being God, able that can be so scary and dangerous well, well especially without understanding it yeah. because then you take everything personally and you really you know you're left with a high level of anxiety and and needing to needing to navigate how to regulate yourself without really having that as an idea idea so it's like yeah so um in my 30s now it's like being able to recognize those qualities about myself that I that I can't fight that I have to accept and that most importantly could have a purpose in this line of work yeah right and understanding how to not only protect them but honor them and and be useful and productive and self-loving and other loving as well.
0: Yeah. Now I've noticed and I also mentioned that you've done a f- quite a few shows that fall in that kind of genre geek realm, you know. I mean definitely Jessica Jones and Batwoman are are two of the main ones there. What, what joys have you found in that kind of work and in that genre? and where do you yourself lie as far as you know the genre world goes the geek spectrum or are, are you are you one of us? <laughs>
1: oh my gosh you know um, the greatest uh, aspect of relatability for me with 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 any character is, I guess when someone asks me, like, what's your favorite genre genre to work in? It's like, it's the same as someone asking me, like, what's your, what's your type? As if, like, who do you date as a type? And it's Mm -hmm. like, even my best friend knows, like, I don't have a type. Yeah. You know, I don't, how do you have it? You just, you know, you connect to what you connect to. It's kind of the same for me with, with, with genres, I guess, a little bit. I, I don't really relate to to the classification of work that way. Yeah. I just don't, I'm, I'm sorry, that's probably a really boring answer. But um, I love finding- It's <laughs> not.
0: It's honest, I like that. <laughs> and it also opens the door too, to like talk about the fact that, you know, there might be people who don't think that they like, that they'll like a sci-fi show or a superhero show, you know, and yeah. because of the classification. But then, you know, then the, the characters on these shows, like, you know, like Inez from Jessica Jones, that was, that was a very nuanced character that was dealing with drama, you know? And right. it, it, you know, like there's, with these shows contain multitudes, right? You know, so like the label, yeah, it's useful in some ways, but it can also, it keeps people away possibly, you For know?
1: sure, for sure. And I think, I think in the past I would be more inclined to be kept away from the idea of, of- of wanting to admit that i'd be drawn to to superhero genre or something like that but it's more interesting to me to want to understand the real humanity within any character Yeah. so if it's within the superhero genre that i'm playing a character that is fighting ptsd emotional flashbacks Ooh. and uh and that manifests in 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 something switching within her to develop a type of of expression of her behavior that enables her to be able to survive and handle the situation upon her. That's what I can relate to. Yeah. That's what I want to, you know, that like ignites me. So plus I love physicality. So any yeah. any um uh, any opportunity to to physicalize that in metaphor in behavioral work is very exciting to me too, but I loved I loved playing Inez Green on yeah. on Jessica Jones. I was a huge fan of the show. I mean, season one was just outstanding. And then there was such a break of time after season one. I just fell in love with season one. I mean, I soaked it in. I was so taken by that show. By yeah. the performances, by the cast, by the writing. Yeah. Um, by the... to see this,
0: this like really... Like to have like this flawed, fucked up woman, you know, as the lead. Somebody also who is... Like, Because, you know, I live with every day with PTSD, you know, like trauma is something that I dance with. And so to see somebody uh, and especially a woman on screen, you know, being the this like just fucked up, flawed loser, you know, mm. but as well, who's like finding finding her own power. Like it's, it was just such a delicious show really
1: i know wasn't it when it came out it was just like I, th- I feel like so many of us went oh my god yes yeah this is what we've needed right yeah i mean the thing that's most exciting for me when i'm watching anything is just i want to feel like you you want to feel a sense of of um self-reflection in the work like like oh i understand that like yeah. that's, that's showing an inner moment that's universally true yeah so yeah i mean i was so excited about 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 joining Jessica Jones. And at that time, too, I mean, working with Marvel is so many things, right? Mm-hmm. And there's such a huge level of secrecy that comes with working with them. And you don't really know what you know. You don't really know what you don't know. You don't really know where things are going. Yeah. You know, you're certainly not allowed to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's for sure. So I didn't know what Inez's story really was going to be. Yeah. You know, um, you mean when you signed on? Oh sure.
0: Oh wow, that must have been really exciting when you when you're like getting each script. You're like, holy shit!
1: I was is this get, where this is going? Yeah, oh my God. like I well, and, the, and and I, and a and a close friend of mine, Rayel Tucker, who who is a showrunner, fantastic showrunner that I've now worked with three times, mm-hmm. and I had worked with her on the returned before that. She did sit me down in her office before we start, and she said, "Okay, so how much do you want to know?" So she did share with me like the bulk of some stuff, but. Um, beyond that and what was gonna happen outside of that and they were just like i wasn't sure where things were leading or what have you but yeah yeah um
0: that's huge so when you look back at your time as inez minez um <laughs> what, what are some like what what's something that comes to your mind your experience of you know physically being her you know on set like what's a memorable moment from that time i mean you? so
1: much of my material was with carrie ann moss yeah and um and i and i also just felt like i just felt so dialed into Inez. i it's a woman fighting with such tremendous trauma yeah. like like you mentioned and you just want to give it as as honest um a real life interpretation as you can, yeah. And so I can really, I can really deep dive with that stuff, and and um, sort of, I mean, deliciously go down the bunny hole with 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 different ideas and research, especially when there's time. And there was time with that production because I was in New York for four months. Oh, fun. Um, yeah, which was just so special. So I mean, you know, and then you can do all of this private work with this really deeply intense sort of these different ideas and then you and then you get to work and things need to be adjusted and be lighter and be this and that and um yeah so it's just um again it's just like so interesting to bring these these deep private sort of processes to the collaborative setting and just be willing to give it up and suspend it as need be Sounds
0: fun. I mean, I guess it's like I love talking to actors because your job sounds like so fun and like weird. It's
1: so weird.
0: <laughs> it's so it's weird. It's just
1: so weird.
0: <laughs> I've, I've had the the joy um, the last uh, week watching Joe Pickett as well. Uh, such a different, I mean, in a lot of ways, Jeannie's a very different character than Inez and yet not, not really, you know, um, another traumatized, you know, live wire why do um, i keep
1: drawing these ones in i don't know like so that was
0: gonna be my question uh what do you think it is about what what is it about you what <laughs> Leah Diane Gibson? i don't know i mean you
1: look at me sabrina aren't i just a ball of sunshine no <laughs> what's something though i mean and
0: i gotta say like people people listeners joe pickett is fucking great and i'm it's it's a uh, there are so many great performances. It's not what I was expecting at all. It's a mystery. Um what were you are...
1: expecting? I
0: don't know. I think I was just expecting it to be like and I say this with all respect to Yellowstone, but I was expecting it to be like, Yellowstone is gonna Fair. be soapy and it's gonna be like, you know, and like all of this. And it, but it, and yeah, we get to meet all of these really, you know, like really interesting characters. And it, like, yeah, the, the place is as big, a, like, you know, in Yellowstone, it's a lot about the place and place is a big character on Joe Pickett as well. But there is a really, really intense mystery as well that, like, you know, sucks you in like i got and i need to know what happens next i need to know what happens next so
1: girl just wait for season two yeah <laughs> oh my gosh it's yeah
0: it, it's fantastic so what are some things you know on joe pickett that you've had the chance to do that you had not had the chance to do before
1: you mean character wise character wise oh, yeah god um genie keely terrified me I just, oh, she seems fucking scary. <laughs> she's, she's, you know, she terrified me. When the audition came through, we were we were in COVID. We were in COVID, and and I was in Vancouver working, and and this audition came into my inbox, and you know, I I didn't really give it much thought at the time because I I think I was just so taken by wanting to to learn the lines of this material that really frightened me. Mm -hmm. But there was another actress's name watermarked across the sides Mm -hmm. of the audition. And I didn't really think about it at the time. I just learned the audition and did it. But I found out after the fact that I was never approved by casting to tape for it. And it was Whoa. it was my agent at the time who who just thought, I'm not gonna say anything, I'm just gonna send this to Leah. I'm gonna have her do it, I'm gonna send it off. So she had me tape, I taped for it, and she sent it off, and then, you know, then weeks later I was I was on set. It was so weird. But I was um I taped it with a friend of mine at the time and and, and he was so good with me. Because he really, he's a brilliant artist, Ian Roslow. He's just this like fierce creative, and he has no uh, inhibitions. Like me, I can just be quite. Yeah, I don't know inhibitive, if that's the right word. And and he and he, he said no, she's a yeller. She's a, I said no. He said yell. You have to yell. Is this I the said, scene?
0: This like the scene with oat. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And and I was so afraid to do it. And he he kind of made me yell, and I, yell, I yelled. And then she just dropped in, and we yeah. did this take. And then it was like, oh my god, okay, let's move on. And and um and so we sent this this tape off. And anyway, and then I got the role. And then you know, and I and I really I was moved by her, but. She just really scared me as a person. I wouldn't know how to talk to this person in real life. Mm. This is a woman that not only comes from a tremendous amount of transgenerational trauma, Mm. but she lives in current-day absolute poverty. Mm. She's someone that has never been taken seriously in her life, and the only defense mechanisms that she's had to fight for herself or for her family is to yell, just to be seen and heard. Mm. And so that's how she bulldozes her way through a day. And it's you know it's, it's it's she terrified me. I don't behave that way. I mean, if anything, I'm the empath that is feeling so much that I bottle it all up at my throat because if mm. I were to open my mouth and really say everything that I'm feeling, yeah, <laughs> I'd be missing people. Yeah, you were crossing your arms in front of me too. <laughs> know, you're like, ah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotta protect myself. No, gotta protect myself.
1: Yeah, so. Yeah. I'm yeah I'm I'm the opposite oh my god the opposite so it was really frightening you know and then to go we were filming in Calgary and and we're still basically like I'm hotel quarantined Mm. before while preparing the material before stepping onto set to film and and it's like you get to work and it's like you forget how to talk to people because this is working in COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody has to keep their distance. And then I've got to be this screaming, yelling. You know, it was just very like, it was so challenging for me. Yeah. Yeah. But um, did I answer your question? You
0: did. (laughs) But you did it. But you did it. So if people want to watch it, I'm watching it uh, through Paramount Plus right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's like, you can find it through, I think Amazon Prime. Is that how I found it? Amazon Prime. Then through that I got some kind of like subscription to Paramount Plus, and there's like other, like a lot of other great Canadian talent in there: Benjamin Salisbury, uh, Adela Dosani, who yeah. I love her, Patrick Gallagher. It's a it's, it's oh and the Robbins twins. Like our like it's it's a really fun show. So um, we're gonna do a, hard, a little bit of a hard pivot, I think, because okay. uh, I wanna I wanna talk about Venus and Fur. Yes. Um, why this play?
1: Oh, a year ago, this play fell into my lap. Mm. I was in LA and um, I audited an acting class and got talking to the, to the teacher. Three weeks later, he called me and he said, I can't get you out of my mind. I have this play that's that I've been wanting to direct and you're the only actress that I've met. In years that could do this role, how do you say no to that? It's like, I, yeah. you know, I didn't know anything about the play at all, so I said, okay, give me a second. So I read it, and was just, oh my god, the role is just to die for. It's two actors on stage for ninety minutes, and and the character is sexy and strong and terrifying and deeply challenging. And look at me talking about these women that I'm scared of. <laughs> Like, don't I just want to dissolve myself and yeah, you be wanna- like someone that's more interesting than myself? Yeah. You're so interesting.
0: <laughs> Maybe there's like, but you don't think you're terrifying. So you have to dissolve yourself into women who are terrifying. Well, it's like, I
1: can't behave this way in real life. Why? You say how you feel. What is that like? Yeah. Let's be someone else and try it on.
0: Yeah. You know, your director does that, though, in some ways, too, right? Like, I, I remember the first time that I met Brian Markinson, um, I was scared. I was, like, f- because I'm I... was
1: scared of Brian.
0: Because I only knew him from his work. I've told this to Brian. You know, like, I, I only knew him from p- playing these fucking bastards and meanies mm. and monsters. Mm. You know, in all, all sorts of different, you know, stuff that's shot in Vancouver. And yet, he is so nice. And I think, the and like, it's funny now. <laughs> Because I'll put his face on a mug and wear his face on a T-shirt and, you know, go out of my way to kind of annoy him. And <laughs> it's fun for me because I know him now. Um, but I, and I think maybe there's a part of it for him, too, that like, you know, he there's a fun there, you know, there's a, and because he would never do that. He would never be that guy in real life. You know, that mean, means that he he can do that. You know in his acting you know it's that's his place to be that guy and then he can walk away from it and live the rest of his life
1: i mean it's not like we really walk around always choosing the roles that come to us either right like i don't you know and and yet if i if i look at my body of work i think well you know i've played a con artist three times i've mm-hmm. played like some kind of a crooked mystic a couple of like where you know where does that stuff maybe come you're getting from? like a reputation or something or people are getting to know your work
0: you know and they're like oh that's Aaliyah gibson for
1: all. that's a fucking yeah idea. am I allowed to say that on the show <laughs> <laughs> say whatever you want sorry I interrupted Venus, in no, first Venus and for, Venus in yeah so um so yeah just um you know it, it it's been years since I've since I've been on the stage and um started working this material this is a year ago and so um it was a very small independent um gathering i will say and we were meant to put the show up in san francisco in february of this of this year Mm -hmm. so now 10 months ago what have you and and we worked it um we worked it as much as we could and the production fell short so it turned into more of a workshop experience that we kind of staged for the resident acting school at that time it wasn't open to the public Mm -hmm. but um but i just couldn't get over it I just couldn't get over it. Like I couldn't get, I was not done with the role. Maybe it wasn't done with me. Fonda got her
0: claws into you.
1: Oh my gosh. So a couple of months later, a couple of months later, I was back in LA and I was, I was, um, I was in touch with Andrew Jenkins, who's this wonderful actor that I've worked with a a few years ago on an indie film called Lost Solace. And he is the CEO of the next generation independent Film Awards in LA and he invited me to be one of the judges on the jury and he he and I were emailing back and forth a tremendous amount it's this beautifully done award show and and film festival and out of nowhere I just thought oh my god Andrew is perfect casting yeah. to play the fellow lead at this production so I pitched it to him he said yes Things just started coming together um, When was this? The late spring Because I was here filming a movie And so I started looking at venues then And yeah Somehow Someone had a great idea Of Mr. Markinson Brian mm. coming on board And Yeah I've Again this is my first time Producing a play <laughs> I feel okay, Can I say Can I add it? Can yeah. I say it here? What? That's very brave <laughs> I do receive that one. I do receive that one. I do receive that one. Yeah. I mean, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel so tremendously supported and in many ways, completely spoiled by the support. From John Cassini and Railtown Actors Studio mm-hmm. Lab who just jumped up and said yes. Like people that just say, Yes, I wanna work with you. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yes, I wanna work with you. What more is anything worth than that? Yeah. So it's just been it's been gorgeous, you know. And then Andrew and I are co-producing together. So, you know, we're we're just trying to be on top of every detail that we can. Yeah. And we just wanna we just wanna to share this this production and it's it's Honestly, it's a doozy of a show.
0: Yeah. So, so tell the listeners what kind of journey awaits them. In oh person. man.
1: Well, well, it's it's about um, a playwright slash director who has a very particular idea of an interpretation of a classical piece of work that he has written, based on the sadomasochistic root. Novel Venus and Fur by Leopold von Sachamasek. And he's taken by this German novel. He writes his own interpretation into a play, and he's mid auditions trying to find the right actress to play this lead, Vonda von Donaev. And so the play opens and he's just in a state of total frustration, he's just completely irritated with not finding the right qualities and the right actress. In stumbles through the door, this actress, who everything about her seems completely wrong for what he's looking for. He's looking for something that is refined and gracious and um, has an austerity about her. And she's just a hot mess. She's just an actress begging to audition, Mm -hmm. straight off the subway, wet umbrella and she convinces him to audition so through the duration of the play it's a play within a play they go in and out of reading his material and all I can say is really that the lines are blurred between reality and fantasy and mm. things get sexy things get things get highly confrontational mm. and uh, a little dangerous yes and what happens what happens what happens come see come and see it wow yeah
0: i mean that's what theater should be right it's like a place where we can like experience danger or other emotions that we might not want to sit with in our regular daily lives because they are kind of scary you know and you go in and then you can have some like cathartic experience i'm saying this as somebody who i like i love going to theater because it feels like church to me you know oh. where i can go and like work out all my feelings And i'm like Woo, that was so intense. Okay, great. Now I can like go and live my life. Right. And so when we didn't, when we were not able to go to theater, you know, during the pandemic, like, I don't know about you, but for me, that was really hard because I didn't have my church, yeah. you know, and sharing that space with the actors and with theater audiences, like it's not It's just not the same, the kind of the things that we did to bridge the gap, you know, to get us through the pandemic, including, you know, Zoom performances and stuff like bless everybody and their streaming stuff. But it's just it is not the same as like sharing that space and air. Absolutely. Um,
1: I mean, absolutely. There's 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 nothing like that, that the potency of that type of energetic transmission. Yeah. And we holy man. And Brian, as our director, is just like he's so to me he's so beautiful he's so he's so generous he's so generous yeah and man is he being hard on us in the best ways like he is really really pushing us every every moment of, of this journey and so, what you know, I've now been sitting with this material for a year. Mm. I had no idea it would reach the point that it has now, and the point of evolution that I've found with Vonda is just so. It, to me, it's a it's a continuation of surprise after surprise. Like I, wow. and it, you know, we have like a week and a half, I think, ten days before we open now, and I know between now and then, even I'm just I'm genuinely so excited. There's such a there's such an experience of humility that I have with this material and, um, and I just can't wait to have, for everybody's sake, to have warm bodies in this house mm. because, um, I want all of us to feel that, yeah, yeah,
0: is it too early to say how this experience is changing you or has changed you? Or are you gonna have to come back to let me know? <laughs> no, I mean, I
1: probably would have a different answer in three weeks, yeah, but I mean absolutely on 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 one hand I I hate to admit this in some ways but that's my ego wanting to say this I'm I'm becoming and able to fluidly dissolve some of the bad habits I picked up in the COVID aftermath Mm -hmm. I've been doing audition after audition and and yes booking some of them and coming to work and you know but with faked eye lines and, you know, zooming in or, or or FaceTiming in a reader. And so there's something very beautiful that happens when eyeballs meet that cannot be understated. yeah And so to work for eight hours a day in the rehearsal mode that we're going and, and working the same material, you get to pretty much confront and, and dissolve any ideas you have about finding a rigidity in, in the habits of what you're doing. You have to find the fluidity on your breath. with your words Brian is on us every moment he's like restructuring something about my process that I haven't really had to look at this way before and I swear to God and like it's it's Part of it is is something that I've longed for as an artist and wanting to do theater. So it's like you know, like a good friend of mine, Mark Hildreth, Hildreth who's coming to the play. I said, you know, it's the first time I've done this, and produced a play or, or stepped on stage in ten years, and he said, "Well, you picked a hell of a role." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I know, it's so
0: hard. but it's like I
1: wanted, I wanted, I just cr- really craved that that forced expansion, yeah. Um, so it it's been a delight and it's been it's been sometimes very, very challenging. Some yeah. some rehearsals are a little bit and they're beautiful, but they're raw and it's always in such a safe space. I cannot express enough gratitude for, for either Brian Markinson or John Cassini. They're just the most gracious hosts for, for the real integrity to the craft of what we do.
0: Yeah, um, Listeners, I will uh, give you information on how you can get your own tickets to Venus and Fur um, at the end of this episode. Leah, if you could go back in time to when you were 20, early in your early 20s, you've do just arrived. To? Yes, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Be brave. You're brave. You got this. If you could go back in time, though, and you have like a minute to give yourself at that stage some advice or some words of wisdom, you know, or just a mantra to hold on to, you know, what would you say?
1: What a great question. It's okay to be exactly as you are where you are. Mm. You don't have to be overreaching or comparing or trying to pretend that you're feeling anything that you're not yeah and those th- are fresh words that brian markinson <laughs> would celebrate me saying i have to say they are they are uh,
0: i will point out that leah is drinking from one of the brian markinson mugs that we have here <laughs> uh in the office he is always on our minds here at the One screen scene podcast do you think you in your early 20s do you think you would have taken that advice do you think you would have listened to yourself
1: I hope so. I was pretty stubborn, too. But I hope so.
0: I just had this moment where I imagined you in your early 20s dissolving into you now, to use some of the words you brought in. I wonder what that would have been like,
1: you know? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That makes me a little emotional.
0: Yeah. I told you we were going to get there. Yeah. (laughs)
1: I told you I'd be surprised (laughs) if I left without getting emotional. (laughs) Oh my
0: God. When in your career do you have like WTF, this is actually my life moments. I mean that in a positive way, like not this is actually my life, but like what the fuck, this is actually my life. You know, when did those happen for you?
1: Oh my God, all the time. Like the good ones you mean, right? The good ones. The good ones. It happens, it happens all the time. Like, um, I mean, there's not, literally, there's literally not a single day that I wrap from a job that I'm on that I don't text my manager in LA and say I'm so obsessed with what I do. Yeah. And he goes, I know. You tell me all the time. <laughs> 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 but I'm just like the the look like, and I've I've tried to, I've tried to throw the towel in. Oh my god, have I? Mm. And and the truth is, I just don't love anything else as much. I just love it so much. Yeah. Um, I had a big WTF moment, you know, what was it, a week and a half ago with this surprise job that came out of nowhere to me. And then I was on a plane in a couple of days and I was up at two in the morning in my hotel room pacing, doing vocal warm ups and getting ready to deliver pages of dialogue in front of a... You know the details of which I cannot disclose, okay, but look, okay. I'm being smart about it because I'm on a podcast. But I'm just like you know, and and I was and I was nervous, of course, right? It was a very um high intensity situation, but it just it got it went gorgeous, it went fluidly. I was working with wonderful people, I was working with some incredible veterans, of course. WTFs all day, yeah. WTFs all day. I come home to my hotel room, my hair is a different color because of what I just did, and I'm just like. Oh God! WTF? WTF?
0: You can actually say what the fuck you want. <laughs> say what the what actual the fuck. fuck?
1: <laughs> what the fuck? Like how? You know, it was like I, how, like what the fuck? How did? How does this? It's more like how does this feeling? Like this? It's like falling in love. Yeah. It's like, but it's not person dependent. Now I'm getting emotional again. That's how much I love it.
0: Okay. Well, I'm gonna. Uh, this this might push you over the edge. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, we we let's end with some time travel. We started with some time travel. I'm going back to who you were at 11 years old, very shy, you know. What do you think that 11 year old Leah, very shy, um, thinking that her sister was so much more amazing, you know, than she was. What do you think 11 year old Leah would would think of the life that you're living right now?
1: Yeah, she'd think it was pretty all right. Yeah. And there are certain things too that, you know, she thought would have happened, you know, other parts of life that, you know, you think when you're a child, things are going to line up by, by ages, of course, by this age, I'm going to have that and I'm going to have that, and, you know, and, um, and, and recognizing that you just can't control what you're not meant to control. Yeah. That you can just follow the feeling that exalts you and opens your heart. Yeah. Um, And allowing that to be beautiful just as it is.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. Now I'm emotional too. Leah Gibson, Leah Diane Gibson. You're fucking delight. Thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on social media?
1: Are you are on social media, right? I am on the gram. You're on the gram. That's it. That's pretty much it. I'm on the gram. On the gram what is it, Leah Gibson Official? Is that what it is, something? Okay, Leah, well, I'll, I'll yeah. look
0: it up and then I'll, I'll put that in the in the footnotes. <laughs> Great, and please come back when you can talk about other things that we can't talk about now.
1: Yeah, I have a yeah. few coming up <laughs> out, that I'll be able to talk about in a minute, yeah.
0: Venus in Fur runs November 24th to December 4th at The Nest right here on Granville Island. It's presented in association with Railtown Actors Studio Lab and you can find tickets on Eventbrite. All right, listeners. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners, and we can keep having rad conversations like the one we had today. You can find us at ww.yviarscreenseen.com. Follow us on Twitter for now. I don't know how long this is gonna be Twitter. And Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene and at Armf. Oh, and I just started a Mastodon account, because that's a thing now. So I'm at I'm at Sabrina Armpf at mass.to. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me me, Sabrina Rani Mera Firminger, and it's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Firminger for technical support, and to Dane Not Firminger Devolay for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers! Did you know that you can hire top-quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low-budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactra.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs, or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.